Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know how they used to say that my partner Tom Jones was spring-loaded for negativity? It must be contagious around the Tampa Bay Times. I'm reading this story. I can't believe it. It's probably the early edition portion by Mark Topkin, the, the topper. He's covered the Rays forever. Here's his lead. Tell me what you think, Steve. The Rays really aren't going to win them all. What? So he's taking the under on my 161 and a half number. <laughs> yeah, Is that what yeah. you're telling me? Well, yeah, him and me both. But <laughs> nonetheless, I mean, really? Right out of the gate? They just won they're an impressive 0, baby. game. Yeah, they're ten and zero, and you start with the Rays. Really aren't going. You know, the Rays aren't going to really win them all. I mean, everyone said they but couldn't they, win a close game. They did. Exactly. They finally play a good team. I don't. I mean, I don't know how great the Red Sox are, but that's a good lineup that they've mm-hmm. faced. And Pavetta pitched as good as he's ever pitched against them. At one point, I think we're we're in the like the eighth inning. There had only been five hits in the game. The Rays had three of them, right? So it was like both teams were dealing. And, you know, they they do win. They win their franchise and MLB leading record 10-0 and now, 10th straight game to start the season. This time a one to nothing victory over the Red Sox. Be loud, baby. Brandon Loud delivering. Game's only run with a one-out home run in the eighth inning. Talk about a good at-bat. It was a strong at-bat, man. He, had, he faced 10 pitches, and I'm telling you, he probably fouled away maybe two, at least two or three really tough pitches just mm-hmm. up there protecting and um, got one over the center cut, middle of the plate. He did not miss it. And the reaction from the race uh, dugout was great. I love that shot, you know, from the third base side, with left-handed bat, and that ball that ball was lined out of there to right center, right central, as they would say. And you just kind of knew. It's like, yeah, it, it's going to take one tonight. You know, now they had not been in a save situation this season because they'd beaten everybody by at least four runs. This was the outlier, but Pete Fairbanks, which I guess they've taken to calling him Rare Banks because he rarely has to go in and close a game. Um, he was electric. He went out there and did them in one, two, three fashion. Get a weak ground ball to, to to Brandon Lau for the final out, and the Rays win. Rays win. I mean, ten and zero. They're the talk of Major League Baseball, okay? It and 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 no one's talking about. When I was listening to a podcast with, uh, I think it was Buster Olney and other people, like no one's really talking about. Well, you know, they played the Tigers and the National. That's as Buster Olney said, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here. He goes, "Listen," he says, "in in as much as any sport, right? NFL, basketball." He says, "He goes in Major League Baseball." Bad teams, not good teams. Bad teams will go into places on the on the road and will beat a good team routinely. Happens every day, right? You just you may play a team and beat three out of four, but you rarely sweep a series from anybody in the big leagues, right? So he goes, you know, it's happen. It happens every day. 
Like to say, well, the Tigers aren't very good. And the Tigers, by the way, I think went to Houston and beat the Astros two games. Yeah, two out of three. And yep. Yeah. So I mean, how bad were they, right? Um, but it, but in baseball, look at every day's scores, and you're going to see a team that really doesn't have a lot going for it knock off the LA Dodgers or you know the Atlanta Braves or whatever. And that's that's what's common in this sport, very common. And yet it hasn't happened. It didn't happen for nine games. Now they play the Red Sox. I think most people would agree is a pretty good team. Like I don't know that. I mean, Boston may be the fourth best team in the division, right? If mm-hmm. you figure the Yankees, the Rays, and Toronto ahead of them, I would. Mm-hmm. And and Baltimore's not god awful. So I don't know where the Red Sox fit. They were last last year, but they still got talent in that lineup, man. I mean, it's still a daunting lineup to face. And to go out there and you know in a, in a tight game had a little bit of a you know, of an edge to it because it was an AL East team and it was the Red Sox and they bring people and, you know, um, to play that sort of game, which we have not seen from the Rays this year, really shows a lot. How about the pitching, though? Can we just agree at this point? And the hitting's been great and they've run by, you know, still the most home runs in the majors and, you know, Lau obviously counted for the only run with a homer. But this pitching, 27 innings with no runs (laughs) – Three what? straight shutouts. <laughs> what? Like if that happened any time during the year, right? Like if you were coming out of the All Star break and shut out teams three in a row, I mean, it, it's it's so rare. But to do it to start the year is is sick. I mean, these guys, and and I kind of, I'll be honest with you, we talked about how we thought you know Josh Fleming was going to get the ball, and he did, but he didn't get it to start the game, which I thought was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they put Jalen Beeks, Beeks in front of them. Yeah, and and Beeks got to go through the lineup the first time, right? So rather than expose Fleming to it two or three times, Fleming comes in, and his stuff was much better. He had much more command. You know, before the first outing, you know, I think guys were kind of leaning out over the plate, and and he didn't throw inside much, and they were kind of he was missing, and and they racked him pretty good. This game, he he could stay out there because he had pinpoint control. You know, he was sweeping the ball. Everything was on the edges um, and all the different arm angles and stuff. They just did nothing with him. He was brilliant. He fell fell right into the same sort of pattern that, you know, that the other race pitchers have done. And, you know, then Colin Poche, I mean, he worked in and out of trouble. Thought he had a little, some command issues and things like that, but – Getting Devers to strike out looking with the bases loaded, I mean, that just doesn't happen. You know, he froze him somehow. I don't know if he was looking for another pitch or what. But that gave and, – and, you know, you can talk about momentum or not having momentum. I still think it was a big lift to get out of a bases loaded jam in the bottom of the eighth because it was clear to me whoever scored first was probably going to win that game. And then that led, of course, to Lau's home run in the bottom half, uh, and then Fairbanks comes in and shuts him down. And, you know, it's – uh, I mean, they're going to lose at some point. Mark is right. We're giving them a hard time here. Hey, now. Hey, now. At some point. You can't get to series. 162 and 0 without one going game 10 and 0. In, so. I, I know. Maybe you lose one game in the World Series. I don't, I'm just saying. Um, but, like, this is, and this is what was talked about on the podcast that I were listening to uh, before the game about the Rays in various places, was they're annihilating people. I know they won one to nothing, but like they're doing it. The whole lineup 
one through nine is hitterish, as Joe Madden would say. And you don't know who it's going to be. There's not, what's great about it is there's not pressure on one guy, right? It's not, hey, if, if you know, Randy Rosarena doesn't do it tonight, boy, you know, they're going to really struggle, you know. Um, they, they're just deep. They, they have a deep lineup, and any guy is capable at any time of getting a big hit. Um, and and it's it's a really good lineup, and they're moving the baseball. And this was the other thing that we've talked about on the podcast that was also mentioned in some of the shows I was listening to. These rules may have helped the race more than people realize because they are one of the most athletic teams defensively. They can run the bases. They put a lot of pressure on your defense. And from an ath- they can out-athlete you in a game now that doesn't have shifts, that has bigger bases, and a pitch clock. And that just helps their, their mm-hmm. pitching staff, I think, immensely. Everything is sort of playing into their strength. And what's ironic about it is I think a lot of the momentum to get away from shifts was sort of began with the Rays. They didn't invent the shift, but just their mm-hmm. over-reliance on them and the other teams deciding they needed to go that way too. And now that you take that away from them, they're actually they're actually stronger. You know what I mean? Like they they can beat you now in ways they couldn't before. Well, for those who are regular listeners of Sports Day Tampa Bay, you right. would have known this last year as Neil Solons repeatedly told us he did that the Rays he were going to be set for these new rules. He did that, that they their their athleticism and the types of players mm-hmm. they have and the yep. speed which which they have that they yep. were going to be well positioned when these new rules took effect. Because yep. you knew a year or two ago these were coming. And the front office is probably new years ago, but right. you know, the momentum for sure. And and as Neil told us repeatedly last year, the Rays are going to be fine. You know, everyone thinks, oh, this is hurting the Rays because they, like you said, didn't invent the shift, but they sure made it a commonplace. Yeah. You know, they were the ones who put it front and center that all the other teams went, whoa, we got to do this too. Mm-hmm. You know, on a regular basis. <clears throat> but the Rays, as typical Rays fashion, are already planning these things and were prepared. Like, yeah, they if, were. if nothing else, this front office, there, there's several things. That they, one, they know their players better than than most organizations know their players. They yep. know their strengths. They know their weaknesses. They know yep. where they can improve, and they put players in positions to succeed. If you're not ready for a certain situation, they don't put you in that situation. You know, they they develop you. They they help you grow. That's why there's a lot of players, that vets, that want to come here, even if it's a year or two, because they know. They know they're going to get better. You know, how many how many players have come through here and had a great year and get a big contract somewhere? Oh, that's what it's been about. You know, Jeff Kepinger and many others. I mean, you can go through the list. Yeah. And, and some mm-hmm. of the big-name players that play here and then go elsewhere and don't do very well. Right. Like a B.J. Upton or a Carl Crawford. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't didn't perform at the levels they did here, and and you know this front office, just you know whatever you throw at them, they come up with an answer. You know, or whatever injuries happen, or whatever changes you want to make to the game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, I don't know if we've seen a more prepared front office in baseball. 
Right. I, there is one narrative, though, I'm, I'm getting tired of, and people call it a narrative, but I'm not sure it was or it wasn't. But, like, the Rays made no secret in the offseason that they wanted to add left a left-handed bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they did. Mm-hmm. They, they announced that, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Sure did. And then G-Man Choi goes to the Pirates, right? And, you know, so so there was a there was a clear and present need for a left-handed, preferably power bat. Okay, and of, of late, in some of the broadcasts and stuff, I'm not criticizing any particular person. Said, yeah, oh yeah, you know the narrative was, oh, you got to have a bat. You need a left-handed bat. Well, guess what? No, you still needed a left-handed. You weren't able to get one. I understand that. We all get that. It takes two to tango. It takes two to tango, and so you know you couldn't make a deal. Okay, fine, but that doesn't change the fact that yeah, you'd probably did need a bat. Now, what's been great. And what is great about the Rays, right, is that you have a guy like Luke Rayleigh who, you know, one night throws a guy out at the plate from left field. The next night he's playing right field. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and he's hit. And he's hit hard. He's hit the ball for power, and he's off to a good start. Um, Josh Lowe, who you hoped in last year would do this, mm-hmm. has come around now, and he's another left-handed power bat. So those two guys are going pretty well as is obviously Brandon Lau. Mm-hmm. And it was always about him staying healthy. I mean, we saw what he could do with a with a full season. He had 39 home runs a couple of years ago. But let's, let's just not act as if, oh, they knew it all along. They had it all along. They didn't need a left-handed bat. Yeah, you did. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, they, they need a left-handed bat. Now, did you know that Luke Rayleigh was going to do what he's done? No. no. Were you certain he, Josh Lowe was going to do what he's done to start the season? Nope, no. Nope. You hoped he was. You, you hoped last year he was going to do what he's doing now. And for those guys, I would say this. It's only 10 games. Like mm-hmm. I, I, The rest of it you can say, well, you know, this is who the Rays are. This is who their pitching staff is. Like That's been fairly well established. And, yeah, the rules are, are benefiting them. But for guys, for those two guys in particular, it could just be a good week and a half. You know, like mm-hmm. they've still got to do it for a full season yet before we can declare that they're good there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Josh Lowe is off to a good start, but what's he going to finish? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Luke Rayleigh is going to hit, you know, three home runs a week. I, I don't know. I doubt it, but for so far, so good, right? Um, but I, but I do. I keep, <laughs> I keep hearing some of these. Um, and they they mean well and they're good at what their jobs, but they you know there's some of the, it's like it's like oh it's everybody else said that they needed a le- no the Rays said that they were in pursuit of a left handed er- bat Eric Neander flat out said at the beginning of the off season yeah and he goes you know we weren't able to get one so we're gonna hope that our own guys can can step up and develop and and maybe we'll be okay we're gonna count on guys having bounce back years we're gonna count on Wander Franco playing 130 40 games we're gonna count on um, you know, Brandon Lau. I mean, we're you know, we're we're going to need these guys to be healthy this year because we weren't able to do what we intended to do, and they announced their intention. So it's really on the Rays, you know, in circumstances just didn't allow them to do what their plan was. And so far, for ten days, ten games or whatever, uh, eleven days, twelve days, um, it's worked out. But a season, no, ten games does not a season make. But boy, oh boy. I mean, if you look at and, – and this is the thing. What are the strengths of this team? Pitching, defense, right? That doesn't usually go in a slump. They've been dominant, man. Dominant. Just absolutely dominant. 
in those areas. Three shutouts in a row. Um, you've got pitchers on this starting staff that haven't allowed a run, right, in springs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're they're well positioned. And, they and you you know, you may not be able to win a pennant in April, probably lose one if you lost a ton of games. But I feel like they're this year's Yankees and that they're going to build such a cushion if they continue to play this way to start the year that teams are going to have a tough time running them down. You well, know. as you and I and talked wh- before the podcast, if they go 500 the rest of the season, that's 86 wins already. <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, that that could get you in the playoffs by itself. Could. Right? I don't and think you know it will do this year, but it could. But you know, you, you figure they're going to do, what, maybe four games at least better than 500 or, or six games from here on out better than 500. Um, and when they do, they're going to win 90-plus, and that certainly could get you there. But I just mm-hmm. think that they – they have an opportunity with a 10-game winning streak to start the year to really put some some comfortable distance. Uh, what you say the Yankees were already? They're like 4-4? Four and four Well, they got a four-game lead four, the Yeah, Yankees four games lead. There's only one team in baseball that has less than four losses outside the race. One other, the race. That's the Brewers, who are 7-2, and two, and they're losing as we tape this podcast. They may be 7-3. <laughs> <and three. laughs> yeah, so there you go. I mean, it's uh, it's nice. It's nice to win. It's it's nice to put that kind of cushion behind you, and confidence is soaring. And now I think it's important too. They won a tight game. Now they won't match their way and sort of run away from a team. They you know they actually went out there and and uh, and competed, and and it looked it looked like many Rays games you've seen before. Low scoring, great pitching, great bullpen, and to do it on a day when it was sort of a "Quote unquote bullpen day, right? You, you didn't. You used an opener mm-hmm. in, in in Beaks. You, you know. No. Now you get you Shane McClanahan today. Now you got your studs, man. Yeah, go out there and throw a hundred, buddy. You know, the next three guys haven't given up much at all. Next four guys, really. Mm-hmm. So, pretty impressive, man. Just fun to watch, and 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 like I said, it was exciting because of the the eighth inning home run, the good at bat. He looks locked in too, by the way. Like he hasn't always gotten off to great starts. Mm-hmm. He sort of usually gets off to a slow start, Brandon Lau. And well, he did year, this year. I mean, he kind of got off to a slow start well, the first he, week, and then it's the last three first, games yeah. he's been. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, he wasn't swinging it the first the first week, right? Mm-hmm. And um, now he's got a ton of RBIs and what three or four home runs, and um, that was as big a one as you could hit. So. Love the reaction on the bench. Love the way the guys are into it on every pitch. And you know, how, how about a two-hour and, and six-minute game? That's glorious. Here's something else. Am I wrong about this? The Rays, I think, started this game before 7 o'clock. All their home games think, during the week are 640 starts this year. So not only have you in, you know, added, started them 20 minutes earlier, but they're 30 minutes. It used average, to be 710, now it's 640. Well, yeah, so. 30 minutes. You're right, 710, 640. So now you're starting them 30 minutes earlier, but you're also, on average, ending all major league games about 32 minutes. Yeah. I mean, this game early. ended at 846 or 847. So you give you give your fans and your players an extra hour a game? Man, that adds up throughout the season. I also think that's playing in their favor, you know, because you have a defense that mm-hmm. likes the ball in play, that doesn't have to stand around, you know, 
put their gloves over their faces and stuff like that. Like that's here comes the pitch, every pitch, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's making them successful too. Yeah, I'd be, be the curious how how in baseball everywhere how the hitters do late in the season being out in the heat less. You know, when it's yeah. those ninety degree nights all over the country. Oh yeah. And you're oh, out yeah. there a half an hour less a night. You know, how much fresher sure. is everyone going to be come August, September? You got to be. That's miles off the tires, man. Mm-hmm. And in some of those places like Tropicana where you have turf, mm-hmm. they've already had a couple games they've been able to get, you know, Wander Franco off his yep. feet, which is huge. Yep. And you've done this without, like, it's not like in football where they do it to you basically let the clock keep running, run less plays. There's no less right. plays. They just got rid of a lot of the dead time between pitches. That's all. Yeah, that's all. Guys stepping out, pitchers walking around the mound between pitches, picking up the rods and all that. Stuff where nothing happens. You know? But all those all those rules, all those adjustments have played into their hands and they're taking full advantage. So it's fun to see. You know, it really is. Like it's it's a it's a it's a good brand of baseball. The crowd was into it. It's always great when the Red Sox or the Yankees are in town because a lot of their fans come and there's kind of a you know, back and forth, so Man, good on the race, and I just wish that Mark Tompkin wasn't so spring-loaded for negativity, man. Let's <laughs> call him Mark Jones, or is it Tom Topkin? <laughs> yeah. The Rays aren't going to win them all, you know. <laughs> I know what he means. It's just kind of funny. Hey, the until they lose them. one, you can't say that they're, <laughs> Sorry, are you sure they're not going to win them all. Are you sure? That's all I would say. Is uh, I know it's never be been sure. done before, but it doesn't mean it can't be done now. This is the first time for everything, man. That's what they keep telling me. That's what I've witnessed in, in life anyway. All right. Well, we got some uh, some Bucks stuff to talk about uh, a little bit as well and uh, some news on the Lightning, things like that coming up here in just a minute. But before all of that, you know what we have to do. It's the important stuff. We're going to tell you how to save money on your electric bill. It's called May Electric Solar. That's a family-owned business. They've been in this area installing solar electric systems now for 13 years. Um, you get a lot of knocks on the door from companies like this, but May Electric Solar, they're committed to you for the long term. How long? Will they guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty, plus with every installation? You get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is what they're calling the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric Display, what they're going to install to fit your specific needs. And they don't use subcontractors, which is important. All those guys up there with those solar panels on the roof, those are Billy Mays guys, and you know who is doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. So the Bucks now preparing for the draft. There's still free agency is alive, uh, but not so well. I think most teams have turned their attention to some of their visits from the various prospects. You have 30 guys from out of the state that you can have into your facility. The Bucks are starting to do that. Um, and one of those guys, I, I some of these, Steve, they'd have to move up. They're at 19 overall right now. But a guy like Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, who's one of the top edge rushers, 
I think they'd have to get in the top 10 for him. And it depends on how many quarterbacks go and who gets pushed down. But it feels like 19 is, say there is could way be too eight low. quarterbacks go in the first six picks, according to many of these mock drafts. So, <laughs> <It's>, Yeah, <laughs> do the math. Um, look, I think – I mean, I think – Four of them are going to go. No, oh, no, I, I, I'm making a joke, but just, you know. Yeah, I know. But it's amazing how many, you know, there's probably about 48 top 10 picks according to these mock drafts. So Yeah, that's true. That's true. Somebody's got to go after 10. Um, but Van Ness, I mean, he of, of the positions, like if I were just going to say, you know, wish list type stuff, you know, who do you want most of all? What position do you need? You'd probably start with tackle, probably a left tackle if you could get him so you don't have to move Worfs. But either one, right? Because you don't have Donovan Smith. Um, I guess if you had to, you could line up Luke Gedeke at right and then move Worfs to left. So that could work. But just in general, like the offensive line was a weak area last year. Had a lot of turnover. You're not sure what you're going to get in Ryan Jensen. It looks like you know, you're going you're gonna to have to make some changes inside for sure, um, and that's okay. Robert Hainsey can play guard, like that sort of thing. So I would say tackle is is like, you know, if you just make a wish and have it come true, I think you'd start there. But I'll tell you what, not soon after, not too long after that, because of the value of the position, right, edge rusher is something this club, ball club needs. Look, you cannot count on Shaq. I love Shaq Barrett. I think he's a tough guy. Um, he's obviously – had a rebirth to his career, was franchised, signed a big contract. But coming off an Achilles injury that happened halfway through the season, when when his whole game is his get-off and trying to push off a rebuilt, you know, surgically repaired Achilles, I just don't know he's going to be the same player. Hopefully he will be, but you don't know that. You can't count on it. You don't even know if he's going to be ready to play week one. He thinks he will, but let's see. Um, on the other side, Joe Tronchowinka just hasn't stepped up. That doesn't mean he can't or that he won't, but he hasn't. And so it's hard to count on somebody who's only shown you four sacks a year for his first two years in the NFL. And so that being the case, you know, to get an edge rusher to affect the quarterback, to force him to throw the ball sooner, this team had an alarming lack of turnovers last year, and they got to get back to turning the ball over and being better on third down. And I think I think you have to start getting more pressure on the quarterback. I think they were way too comfortable a year ago. Um, and so if you could get within range of a guy like Van Ness, and I think you'd go way before 19, maybe you do move up for the right position and the right player. Maybe you do. Um, typically, Jason Light likes to trade around in the draft. I think this is a year where maybe trading back makes sense because you're at 19. And next year, presumably, unless you have a great year, you're probably going to be picking higher than that. Um, a lot of times you get to 19 and you go, hey, I think our player will be there at 26. Let's trade back because I've got four or five players here I'm comfortable with before we were to, we would pick again at 25 or 26. And we pick up another pick maybe in the first round, maybe before 32. So wouldn't you rather have two picks in the first round, albeit late, versus one at 19. It depends on which player is staring at you. I get that. And maybe you could even move up for somebody that you have a big conviction for. But this draft feels more to me like you're you're going to have to get younger. You've got a lot of needs. And the only way to fill them with young players is to acquire more picks. So I don't know they'll be going up 
I think down is probably the direction they would be headed. But, you know, what if Hendon Hooker is there at 17? I was going to say, that's the other one that you may go up for as a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. If if you think, whether it's Levis or Hooker or Richardson, Mm -hmm. if one of those guys drops. Yep. They get pushed down. And they're at 12 or 13 or 15. Absolutely. If you think they're a franchise quarterback, I'd go up and get them. And why not? And here's the and people go, well, that's nuts. They have so many needs. Well, guess what? You're probably going to win too many games to get in the top five a year from now. You just are, right? Like this division's not good. You could win seven. If you won seven again, if you won eight again, you're going to be right back where you are now. You're not going to be picking in the top five. So you're not guaranteed one of the top quarterbacks a year from now. However, you could get one of the top ones this year. Like if you find those guys moving down, and even if it's a Hendon Hooker who – you know, there's two things against him. One is the fact that he has an ACL injury and he's not going to be available to play right away because he had surgery last December. Hasn't been able to work out. But you go to the tape and you go, wow, 57 touchdowns and five interceptions in two years at Tennessee with a guy that throws the ball down the field as well as he does. And he's a tremendous leader and all of that. The knock, the other knock is he's 27. But who are we kidding? Your last quarterback was 45. <laughs> so don't get all caught up in that. The bottom line is this. If we're talking a year ago about Kyle Trask and he didn't start, he didn't win the starting job, you know who Kyle Trask is? A fourth year, fourth and final year backup quarterback. No higher than two and maybe as low as three. But he will have been here four years and not won the starting job. So that's not a guy that you're going to build around. Okay, If Baker Mayfield doesn't get it done and they kind of go back and forth, well, Baker Mayfield has a one-year deal and he's on his fourth team since July. So guess what? He's a free agent anyway. He could play well and decide, I'm going to go out and take my chances. I'm not going to re-sign here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I've proven myself. Let me, see, let me see where my pot of gold is. So you're not guaranteed either one of these guys being a starter a year from now. What if you could get your starting quarterback right now and not be forced to play him and be able to say, we're going to let him heal up. We're going to let him learn you know, from these two guys in the quarterback room every day. And then a year from now, he would have been better than the first pick or better than most of the quarterbacks in the draft a year from now, and we already have him in fold. Mm-hmm. I think it's a smart thing to do. Not going to help you this year, though. Try to sell Todd Bowles on that. I think your biggest problem is this, that. Are you giving Todd Bowles a chance to win by doing that? Well, in one correction, Hooker's 25 years old. I know he feels older than that. 25? Did I say yeah. 27? You did say 27. So <laughs> okay, He well. and Stetson Bennett are 25. Baker years old, Mayfield's right? 27. Yes. Yeah. yes that's but correct. 25. Yes. Yeah, which is older than Jalen Hurts, by the way, and it's clearly older than – it's the same age as Kyle Trask, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So, I, the, And we've had this discussion before. I, I think the big question is, is who's making this pick? And, yeah, and what, what plan did Todd Bowles and Jason Light go to the Glazers with this offseason? You know, what is the expectations this year? From the, and we don't know the answer. Right. You know, I don't think anyone in the organization's expectation is winning a Super Bowl. They're going to try, no. but I don't think that's – It's a goal. You know, it's when, not an when Tom Brady was your quarterback, it was – the expectation is to compete for the Super Bowl every year he's here. Yep. yep. This year, because of the dead cap money from Tom Brady and that, and mm-hmm. they're going to balance their, their books essentially or pretty close to it this year, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's not the expectation. So the expectation is – what is I guess what is the expectation for this year? Win the division, get in the playoffs, 
Try to win. Try to win yeah. one more game than you did a year from now. And his bowl's job you know, on the line if they only get six wins, but I think developing some young players and you took a a quarter a quarterback in the first round that's not playing this year. You know, I mean, those all factor in. So is it is it Bowles making the they pick? Do. Jason Light is it? You know, because if, if Todd Bowles doesn't have a first round pick to help him this year, that's you know that's a that's a big that's a big handicap for him this year. Yeah, he, he needs guys right now that can step in and mm-hmm. play and win. Mm-hmm. But organizationally, that may be the right thing to do and the best thing to do if you think he's a franchise quarterback. To secure a quarterback for the future that you mm-hmm. think is that good, absolutely it is, and and that you know, I I think from that's when the GM has to be the one that makes the pick. I mean, he does have mm-hmm. the final say. You try to work with the coaches and you want to support them and you want to give mm-hmm. them the best team they can put on the field and win with now. But honest to goodness, the the whole the whole league, the whole game of football is about the quarterback. And if if there's a dude that's there that you know would otherwise have gone in the top five had he not gotten hurt. And and you don't have to play him. You have the luxury. You have that luxury of, of letting him sit down and learn from Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask and the mistakes they make. But by the same token, both those guys, Trask and Baker Mayfield, may be virtually useless to you a year from now. You'll be looking for a quarterback anyway. I, I think it's always smart to try to get a quarterback um, unless unless, you, <laughs> unless you're Levy Smith and you know how to tank, for one. Um <laughs> You know, unless you seriously, unless you're that team that's that's so bad, you think you might only win two or three games. I mean, if you're that team, then by all means, have at it. But no. that's Le- not Levy proves he knows is. how to tank for a quarterback, and he knows how to not tank to screw <laughs> well, screw an organization he, to get a yeah, quarterback. Yeah, he he had tanked very well, and right up to the point where they made the mistake of telling him he was fired before he coached his last game, and then it was baby, let's go for two, and they did and got it in the final <laughs> game and won, and freaking cost them the first overall draft pick which I still think might work out for them. That's the crazy thing, right? Like, you obviously would rather have the choice of quarterbacks, which mm-hmm. is what Lovey did back when Jameis was coming out. He didn't want Murray. He wanted his guy. Um, but in a funny way, like, I'm just telling you, I think Carolina and and knowing what they're about, and I think they're going to go with C.J. Stroud because of his size. And it's like, well, he's really productive. He's We love him. He's a good arm. But he's a bigger guy. He's more you know, more of what we're used to. And I think that the Texans could end up with a better quarterback, you know? Because mm-hmm. I, really, I, I, I really think he's – I think Young is just better, in my opinion. I don't know. Sees well, the field better. They'll get the choice made for them. So I guess, you know, the, it pre- will the pressure's kind of off them. It is. I mean, you do the best you can. It, you know, mm-hmm. you, you you don't really have a choice there, but you, but it it might turn out to be the the best choice, even though it wasn't your choice. So maybe maybe Carolina. Look, history tells us one of these guys is going to be a bust. And if you go back to Jameis's year, Mariota and Jameis were busts. Both are backups this year. Yeah, and I mean, not even a, a, a not even a whiff of trying to start. You know, they're solid number twos. And it, you know it's hard to believe, but it's nine years later. Um, but you know that here is we hard are. to believe it's that long. <laughs> it's incredible, man. Yeah, I'll be covering Jameis's brother soon. <laughs> That's where <laughs> it's going to go. And he had a younger brother. He's at A and M now, but uh, usually it's their kids, right? That I, mm-hmm. uh, that makes me feel old. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think taking a quarterback would be good. Um, one other thing, you can check this out on the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. I had a chance to talk to one of the two chases that they signed in the offseason. This gets confusing. Um, we know that uh, More so Chase than Edmund, you know. Well, yeah, I won't tell the backstory, but, yeah. Um, Chase Edmonds is the running back that they signed as a free agent and wasn't necessarily thought to be available this time a year ago. Um, Chase McLaughlin, who's the kicker, not to be confused with him, he's going to be their starting kicker. Edmonds is an interesting cat, man. He went to Fordham, and he was he was chasing Adrian Peterson's like FCS rushing record. Like his first three years were crazy. He was crazy good, and then he then he kind of got busted up. He hurt his ankle or something like that. He only played like seven games his senior year, so he didn't get the record. Um, but he was really productive, and he was a fourth-round pick, and he went to Arizona. And he, you know what? He's played really well out there. Like, I was looking at his numbers. The guy, dude almost averaged five yards a carry, had a lot of catches out of the backfield, was really a good player. And, and, and people noticed because when he became a free agent a year ago, he got traded – or not traded. He signed as a free agent with the Miami Dolphins. He signed a two-year, $12.6 million deal, which is pretty good coin. We're running back these days, you know? And so I talked to him, and he, he was like, yeah, you know. Um, I was like, okay, things are finally turning around. Um, they're on the up and up, you know, uh, and you got your money. And he goes, I don't know. I just kind of lost my edge. He said, last season was just straight up my worst season ever in all my years of football. Performance-wise, just wasn't up to my standard at all, very humbling. And he goes, like, I remember coming to the NFL and I had such a big chip on my shoulder uh, and that he always had to scrap for everything. He was a, and he goes, not that I lost the chip, but year three, four, I was playing a lot, so I was kind of like one of the guys now. And the human natural reaction is, you know, you're content. And then you get the big deal, and he goes to the Dolphins, and nothing goes right. Um, he's dropping passes that he said he'd never dropped before. They're moving around into the slot as a receiver. Um, his rushing average drops to 2.9. Like he's just having a miserable year, only 10 catches for 96 yards. And then the Dolphins trade him. Like they flat out made him part of the deal for Bradley Chubb with the Denver Broncos. And so he's after signing this two-year deal with the out in Denver playing for a second team in the same season, he didn't do a whole lot out there either. And he's still out there, as a matter of fact, training in the altitude and stuff. But now he's kind of, you know, now he's got to start over a little bit. And he just said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm hungrier again. I've got my edge back. Like, you know, he's going to be 27 on Thursday this week. Um, but, if you know, like I said, if you erase just last season, which was the outlier, dude averages 4.9 yards to carry. And he's got speed. And, you know, he's caught about 32 passes a year. But, you know, a lot of people would look at this running back room and they go, well, Rashad White's the starter, so this dude's replacing Leonard Fournette. He's really not. He's really replacing Giovanni Bernard or what they wanted Bernard to be, but Bernard could never stay healthy. And so this is your quintessential sort of third down back if you need him. Or if you get an injury, he can play every down, you know. Um, and he should integrate nicely into this new system under Dave Canales, who's familiar with him when they were both in the NFC West. 
So he's he's pumped up about it. You know, it's it's going to be an interesting running back room. They could still draft a running back, I think, and probably will somewhere along the lines. But um, I think I think Chase Evans was a was a good a decent signing year minimum deal, which is what they've done a lot of because they only use salary cap room. But I, I enjoyed talking to him. He's motivated, and he's like, "Look, he goes, you know, um, we saw what Seattle did a year ago. We saw, you know." Like this offense, hadn't gotten the playbook, but you know, Canales knows what he's doing, and maybe Baker Mayfield can be this year's Geno Smith. That's what that's really the comparison. That's really the hope, I think, for a lot of people in the organization is that and Canales came from there, is that you you know, you get a quarterback with some pedigree. Now Gino was much older and he said, you know, they had written me off, but I didn't write back. Um Baker's done some stuff. I mean Baker's done for sixteen thousand yards and a hundred hundred touchdowns. So um, it's not like he's not been productive, but even said that he's got to find a home and, and establish, reestablish himself as a starting quarterback in this league. And this is his opportunity. So Evans is psyched. He's like, you know, we got some guys that got chips on their shoulders like I do and I got my chip back. So we'll see if he can take that and run with it. But interesting story, interesting cat. Check it out in the Tempe times and on tempebay.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, finally, we'll wrap it up on this. Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, back in action tonight against Toronto. That's the team they'll play in the first round of the NHL playoffs. And a, li- a little bit of hint of good news. There. Like, I thought Tanner Janot was done, man. I mean, you know, what John Cooper was saying it didn't look good. And now, I guess, Steve, the updates are a little bit more positive. Yeah, he's uh, basically said, look, he's not going to play the first game of the playoffs, but maybe he could be back before the end of the first round. Which means, which means he's out a couple weeks, not a couple months, which is what we feared. That's huge. I mean, I, I thought for all the world it looked like an ACL or some kind of ligament tear mm-hmm. versus a sprain or something like that. But, yeah, to get Janot back would be tremendous for them. Yeah, they, I mean, if, if you could say be, maybe game three or four, or, you know, even oh. if it goes to five or six, you know, so if he can be back there or, or you know, series? If, if you can advance, be back for mm-hmm. the second round maybe, I mean, that would be huge. Yeah, that physical no, presence, so and he was really starting to find his way and mm-hmm. and really be impactful. Right, right. So, good news for the Lightning, and we'll we'll be in the postseason here before mm-hmm. you know it. Just two games remaining, and Steven Stamkos being honored tonight. Um, it, it's an ESPN game, so the ceremony before the game is taking place a little earlier. So, if you're going to the game tonight, uh, be in your seats by quarter till seven. 10 till 7 at the latest if you want to see the Stamco ceremony because mm-hmm. it'll happen. Normally what happens on these things is they'll push the puck drop back later. Right. But because it's ESPN, they're not pushing the puck drop, so the puck drop will drop at a normal time, which means well, they have to do the ceremony earlier. earlier. So yeah. everything gets moved up a little bit. So, Do they give him something else? Didn't they just give him something for his – They gave him – well, see, he's already had two ceremonies this year for 500 goals <clears> – <throat> And a thousand points. Yeah, and he also hit five hundred assists this year, but they really didn't do a huge ceremony for that. 
He got like a vacation or something like yeah. out of one of those. I don't know which so one. I, we'll see what they present him tonight. Um, yeah, I imagine he'll get another silver stick, which is kind of customary when you get a thousand games. Thousand games, man. That's a lot of games, mm-hmm. and he missed a lot. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, that. the funny thing is, so Hedman was drafted a year later than him. He's going to have his thousand game ceremony early next season. Right. He's only like twenty five games away or twenty seven something in that range away. Right. So he'll he'll yeah, get a thousand next year, assuming several, he's healthy. Several years later than uh, than Stamkos. Mm-hmm. He was drafted one year later, but yeah, oh, just one year. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, Gosh, so if you're going incredible. to the game tonight, it, there's only two games left in the regular season, the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. The NHL playoffs start a week from Monday or the seventeenth. I know we had okay. a mailbag question from I want to say it was That's from right. Eric who asked when will they announce the dates for round one. Mm-hmm. Um, the regular season ends Friday night. Um, all but there's only two games Friday night the fourteenth. Everybody else ends the thirteenth. Interesting. Um, if all the matchups are known by the thirteenth, they may announce it then. I would think, mm-hmm. or it may be on Friday the fourteenth they'll announce the dates of the series. Right. So we do know that the Lightning will start on the road, of course. Yeah. First two in Toronto. But yeah. So I, I haven't looked at. Actually, I can look it up real quick. Which games are Friday? Now some interesting results tonight in the Eastern Conference: the Islanders lost to the Capitals. And the Panthers lost in overtime to the Maple Leafs. So the Panthers Ooh. are still in the number one wild card. The Islanders number two. But that opens the door for the Penguins to pass the Islanders. Oh, They're wow. only a point back with a game in hand. So, um, Coming down to the wire, man. Let's see. Friday, the only games Friday are Buffalo at Columbus, both teams out of the playoffs, and Colorado at Nashville. Uh, Colorado is it, that may defect. That may affect whether they're the number one seed in their division or not. And Nashville is fighting for a playoff spot, but uh, I don't think they're eliminated yet. But almost so, that game may or may not mean anything. If it doesn't mean anything, maybe by Thursday night they announce the series. Well, we'll know soon enough, and we know who they're playing and where. So it'll be next week sometime, maybe Tuesday or later, I guess, in the week. But would assume uh, it'll that, start Monday or Tuesday. I mean, normally yeah. most of the series, maybe there'll be a series that doesn't start till Wednesday, but I'm guessing most will start Monday or Tuesday. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Here before we know it. Incredible. What a fast year that seems to me. Um, just seems like I was watching them in game game six out in Colorado about a year ago, which was almost a year ago, given a month or two uh, difference. On Thursday, Jason Light, the Bucks general manager, is going to hold a sort of state of the draft. This is the uh, riveting press conference, which we're actually glad for his access. But you generally get commitments like, we could move up, we could move down, or we could stay where we're at. <laughs> that's that's about the summation. Uh, it's an excellent draft. There's a lot of really good players in it. We'll be happy. We're going to stick to our board. Yep. We're going to take the player uh, that has the best available player. We're not going to be hostage to a position, and they never mean that. And then after the draft, it was, I was the guy we were targeting all along. No matter what, we couldn't what believe they took. he was there. Yeah, we couldn't believe, we couldn't he, was believe he was there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, you know, from day one, we he was our guy. It's amazing that was how our guy. It's amazing that there's months and months of mock drafts and build up, and every team gets exactly who they wanted every time. It's always, amazing. Man. That's right, always. 
Always. You never say, oh, we traded down and the guy we really wanted went before us, so we screwed up, but hey, we got this this guy that's just going to kind of fill in for us. Yeah, you don't get that very often. But they do do a lot of work. They have a lot of meetings and, and uh, they do their own mock drafts and things like that. So uh, hard to predict at 19. The last time, I will just say this, the last time they picked 19th, and I think they traded down, if I'm not mistaken, um, was, that the, was that the draft Josh Allen went? To the Buffalo Bills, I think they moved down from there. I think Could you're wrong. right. Yes, but they ended up with OJ Howard at 19. So could have had what Dalvin Cook, right? Could have had Dalvin Cook still on the board, yeah. And uh, that wouldn't have been a bad pick either. <laughs> OJ Howard that was about two teams ago for him, and uh, and and now they may you know tight end is a position yeah. that people are talking about mm-hmm. on this team too. They, so. they could use a tight end or two for sure. Yeah, I, mean, I like like what kind of the young guys did last year, but without Gronk, without Brait, you know, you're going to have to start stockpiling. Mm-hmm. And Dave Canales, a lot of run heavy offense, going to use a lot of two tight end formations and things like that. So they could go anywhere. But that's what uh, Jason Light is for: is to enlighten us, if you will. Well, I don't know why you would. I mean, the draft is li- liar's poker; it just is, and no one should trust anything anyone says, especially this close to it. But we'll have a chance to talk to him on Thursday, so check that out. Also on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. If you've got some mailbag questions, you can always submit those on Twitter to us at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at TampaBay.com. For Steve Burstick, I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 